Welcome to Centering, the Asian American Christian Podcast. Each week we explore questions of faith, community, and identity. This is Jessica Chen Feng, and I'm your host for this season as we dive into issues of mental and relationship health. Thank you for joining us. So on today's podcast episode, we're going to be talking about churches as mental health spaces. And with us today, I'm really excited to have a very dear friend and colleague join. This is Reverend Dr. Jeannie Park Hearn. She is the pastor of congregational care at Blaine Memorial United Methodist Church in Seattle, Washington. And she's also a lecturer at Seattle University in the School of Theology and Ministry. Jeannie, welcome to this show today. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, so it'd be great if you could just tell us more about yourself and maybe how you got connected to working with the church and your involvement in mental health spaces there. Yeah, that's a great question. I'm a pastor's kid. Mm. And so I grew up in a Korean American immigrant church for as long as I can remember. And the church has always been an interesting place to see how people live together in successful attempts to be community and also not. And I think even as a child, I was really curious about what makes people tick and why do we do the things that we do? And also being curious about how the church held that space for people, even in its best expressions. And also sometimes, unfortunately, in some of the ways that we were community together in ways that perhaps weren't helpful. And so I think that was my kind of organic way of, of being curious about what it meant to be in community in an immigrant church setting. Oh, I totally hear you. I mean, so often, right, most of us enter the work that we do because it's those personal experiences. And so I can understand, right, we grow up in the church, we experience a lot of these really wonderful things, but some of those challenges leave us asking questions. And we have a number of really good questions today we want to kind of get to. One of the things I think that's easy, especially for those of us who've been, who are therapists, who do support in mental health spaces, it's easy to look at the church and see, oh, what are the things that it doesn't do well? There are a lot of things that can be hurtful within the church, but I think sometimes it's hard to see what are the ways that Asian American churches have contributed to the strength and resilience of Asian American Christian families. And I'm wondering, I know maybe you can mention how long you've been in this role as a reverend and maybe the things that you've seen over the years. So I've been in this current role as pastor of congregational care for about two, three years now. And prior to that, I've served in an English ministry context at a Korean immigrant church. I've done youth ministry. And so different forms of ministry since the time that officially when I was in seminary, but as a kid and as an adolescent, youth group teacher, vacation Bible school volunteer, um, Bible study teacher, and all of these things. And so that's, I, I don't discount any of these quote unquote unofficial ways of being in ministry. I really appreciate the nuance and the question, Jessica, around the strength and resilience piece, because I think you are right. We tend to blame the church, like we blame our families for everything about ourselves, our communities that might not serve us well. You know, speaking about strength and resilience, and even before I go into that, I just want to say Asian American church experience is vast, just mm. like the continent. Yes. Um, and so I in no way 
shape or form, proclaimed to be an expert on all Asian American church communities, because I think that's kind of impossible. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to be addressing really a sliver. And that's, like you said earlier, linked to my experience growing up in an Asian American immigrant church. And so really briefly, before I want to kind of go back to, to you to see what you have to say, Jessica, I would say that some of the ways that we are strength and resilience for one another in certain Asian American church contexts is kind of actually sort of basic and we kind of take it for granted. And I think it starts with really being a safer haven perhaps um, for folks that look like us. And mm. when I was younger, I really thought that there would come a day when maybe when I'm older, there wasn't going to be so much assumed about me based on my physical appearance. But lo and behold, the world has not changed really that much over a span of a few decades. And so, especially in our current context, where so much is writing on people's survival is writing on the way that we look, I think it's kind of interesting to note that that part of the Asian American church as a place of safer haven for people that look like us, I don't think that's something that we can take for granted. Definitely. And just a side note, if I can add, you know, I have a, a young child, you know, our son, and we've been thinking about what sort of church to, to go to. And at the end of the day, it, it feels fitting to find a place where there are a, a decent number of Asian Americans in the congregation, because the rest of the week, um, that's not really our context. And it feels supportive and yes, safe to be in a place where I'm not exerting different types of energy. Totally I something I personally feel too. And I don't take that lightly at all, yeah. that we have these spaces to um, be perhaps a little bit more authentically who we are, mm-hmm. as opposed to other places in our work and in our communities where we have to code switch, talk in a different kind of way, um, expend, like you said, Jessica, a lot of energy on reading the room and reading the environment where we are to assess Mm. how much of my authentic self can I bring to this conversation, this room, and to not have to do as much of that in a church context, I think is feeding the strength and resilience and really sets the stage for so much potential with regard to what an Asian American church can provide as a, as a safer haven for folk. Yes. I'm wondering what you think about maybe churches serving as an extended family in a way, if you've had experience around seeing how it supports young people in the church or just families who have immigrated here and maybe don't have connection, how that could be a way that church serves as a supportive place. Oh, so family is a loaded term and our experiences with family are myriad. So saying that, I would say that this image of church as family is a great one. And at the same time, it can also lend itself to certain um, certain ways that it's maybe not the most helpful metaphor. So I guess I'll speak to the first. Yes, I think as a family, um, there's this possibility of community, of shared life experience to a certain extent. There's this sense of being able to and be perhaps be more of yourself in these spaces, sharing 
ideas and experiences about what it means to be at any stage in life and how one handles and navigates the highs and the lows and everything in between. So I think certainly that is a wonderful environment for us. Our daughter grew up calling my friends aunties and uncles. And she had the sense that there were people in the community that were watching over her. And literally, even in the church where we worship now, we have children that run all over the church campus. And the parents just have this sense that, oh, somebody's watching them somewhere, even though I don't know where that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's kind of like a, uh, it can be a positive thing. But then I think also family comes loaded with expectation around what it's supposed to be. Mm. And when those expectations aren't met, there's this profound sense of disappointment, betrayal that a person could experience. And that I think is one of the downsides of using family as metaphor for church. Thanks so much for for sharing that. And I I think this is a great segue to some of these other conversations around how the church can make it harder for families to access support and move toward mental health. I mean, I'm thinking about this idea of whether the church in its serving as a, uh, an extended family with all those expectations, the sort of cultural norms that could be there. In your experience, what are ways a church can make it hard for individuals and families to have more positive mental health? One immediate response would be to say that I sometimes have this sense that our churches are growing in their capacity to see individuals and communities more holistically. Mm -hmm. And so there's this existing sense that, okay, people's physical selves are over here and our spiritual identities are here and our emotional, psychological well-being is over here. And so it's all sort of boxed in these different compartments. And I think one of the ways that the church can be a place of more flourishing and thriving, especially with regard to mental health, is to take stock in my assumption that those facets of our identity are all actually very connected. And so in some sense, if a person isn't living in financial stability, there's stress and worry about paying rent or all those kinds of things, that has direct bearing and implication on a a person's spirituality and how connected or not they feel to God or their community. And so I think there needs to be a growing sense of, again, how do we address our community in all facets of the human condition? This is what I'm thinking of as you said that, which is maybe it's that a lot of us growing up in the church and pastors, we focus on the spiritual and religious part first, right? Maybe some of these other pieces come into our our line of sight, but they're not integrated so that we can see us as, oh, yes, when you're stressed about your finances, that impacts how you're connecting with God and your family and so on and so forth. And so I'm just hearing you say, if we can broaden the way that we understand well-being to encompass these various facets. Yeah. And I think the other thing that we still, as an Asian American community, are so informed by is this notion of saving face. Mm -hmm. That 
continues to be quite a rampant feature of what it means to be Asian American, for good or for ill. There is good in terms of being so connected to one another that to say, you know, what is going on with you is an expression of what's happening in your community. There's profound possibility in that. But at the same time, there also comes with that a lot of pressure to have to be a certain way because, and this again was from my growing up experience, it's like you represent all Asian Americans. Mm -hmm. And so your behavior, the decisions that you make, how you talk and all of these things became a, a representation of, of all Asian Americans, and that's too much. And so I think there's a little bit of the saving face that still happens in many of our Asian American communities where it's like, I have to be like this model person. My family has to be a model family, and I have to live out a type of spirituality that is acceptable all the time, everywhere, and I can't make mistakes. I can't say that I'm having a hard time. I still need to present in a certain kind of way. And I think that can kind of get us into some, some trouble around that expectation that we, that we do sometimes put on ourselves. But at the same time, I think the collective sort of continues to hold that way of being for us. Wow. I, I love that. And I feel like you're giving words to something that we don't often talk about at church, which is how does our identity as Asian Americans, as it relates to our larger context through the model minority identity, all these other pieces, that it shows up in the church. And if we don't recognize that, it just gets perpetuated. And then the impact of the, the stress of living out those stereotypes and assumptions, it builds up. And then the church doesn't get the opportunity to speak to, to pursue healing around those areas. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so where does one go to get a break from being this version of self that's exhausting. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not a perfect parent. I'm not a perfect daughter. I'm not a perfect sibling. I'm not a perfect friend. I'm not a perfect, you fill in the blank. And, and then we come to church and, and that's, that expectation isn't, isn't halted and you have to be a perfect Christian and it just continues to weigh heavily. And so I, I don't want to go to church if I keep having to play that script. Yeah. Yes. And I'm, I'm thinking about the number of peers I had growing up in the church and maybe youth that I know now who you can feel and sense their, whether it's depression or anxiety or various types of struggles or family issues. And so you put that um, the saving face issue, whether you and your family are at that church. And then with fulfilling this model minority stereotype being perfect. I mean, that when I, as a clinician, I'm just thinking about the toll that takes on people and the unintended consequence of feeling distant from God. The church is not a place where I can, you know, feel safe, feel seen. And, and all the ways that we hope church can be for people and families, it, it starts to tear away at that. So this mm -hmm. is really helpful to talk out loud about. Yeah. And I don't, I certainly don't put blame on anybody. I think it just, it's the water that we swim in and it's the air that we breathe. It's, it's something that 
being Asian and American in and of itself, it comes with this. It's almost like when two or more Asian Americans are gathered in a room, you, we bring this stuff with us. And so it's, yeah. it's not to cast blame on anyone. And I, I really empathize with church leadership that has the task of even entertaining this question around mental health and wellness in our church settings. And how does one do that? given the day-to-day -day responsibilities that come with like leading a church community. It's daunting. I certainly tip my hat to all clergy folk and church lay leadership who are tasked with this great call. And I, will, I use that word very, very specifically. It's a call. It's something that doesn't come only from our inner stirrings around what we're supposed to do in this one life that we have. But it's something that God and our community recognizes in us. And it has to have that element of God calling us to this because it's hard, <laughs> so hard. And any church leadership that takes this mental health and wellness seriously for their communities I think it just requires a village to keep talking about what that can look like and to have some support around how difficult it can be, given everything else that church leadership has to do and be. Oh, totally. I, I really feel for those who serve as pastors like yourself and um, full-time ministry. I think about all the types of jobs that I could do. And I know people say being a therapist is hard, but I think being a pastor, you carry so much. And you're carrying a lot of this pain and stress of the Asian American families of your congregation. You know, I'm wondering what what do we think are some ways that pastors can be supported? Things that we wish were taught in seminary, or things that were just known so that they could be better equipped to support the mental health of their congregants. Oh yeah, that's a that's a loaded and and really important question. I think a lot of it has to do with the person of the clergy person, mm -hmm. um, the person of the, the lead pastor, pastoral staff. And I want to include lay leaders in this, in this too. I think so much of mental health and wellness in our church communities, not that it falls completely and solely on the shoulders of our pastors, but I think pastoral folk have to be provided space and resources to be able to do some deep thinking around who they are in terms of their own family narrative around the challenges that they experience in their own personhood and in their relationships. I think that's a place to start as far as what mental health and well-being could look like for Asian American churches. And I don't think clergy folk and lay leaders have the space, the time, and again, the resources to be able to pursue those fully. And I don't know if that looks like sabbaticals. I don't know if that looks like monetary resources so that our clergy folk can see therapists, to see spiritual directors, to go on retreat. But a lot of it, I think, is related to our leaders' capacity to look at their own mental health and wellness with regard to their leadership and how to guide communities in that pursuit. Yes. And I, I'm thinking about how in 
Asian American spaces, the reverence for the pastor or whoever is in charge and that influence being so significant over the members. So just like you're saying, if that is lived out and modeled, if they could talk about it, um, all of those things, that influence spreads and would have a significant impact. Mm -hmm. And I think there's just needs to just be more of like fresh air blowing through our church communities that says, you know, you can talk about anxiety. We can talk about depression. We can talk about mental illness and mental health. And It's still the case now that if a clergy person talks about it from the pulpit, it is official permission that somebody can be open and willing to be vulnerable about those personal struggles in their life. The pulpit still continues to function as a validation point and a place of entree if the clergy person speaks and utters those words. I cannot emphasize enough how the sermons and what's preached has a direct bearing on what people think is okay. And so clergy folk, we need to preach. We need to preach about these things. And it's just really, really crucial. Yes, yes, and yes. And what you said too, what I heard is pastors have so much going on, so much that they care for, that there's an element of do they have space to get support when they need, if they needed, Mm -hmm. would there be in the clinical community, people who could understand, give them support, all those things. And if they had a little bit of that, perhaps they could then move toward integrating it into their sermons, um, into their discourse at church. Absolutely. And people in the church community, the congregation, the laity and the other folks that sit in the pews, I I think we need to understand how much power we have to in saying, and I know this is a struggle and I, and I haven't figured this out, but I think clergy folk, we have this expectation that we're supposed to be perfect, invincible. We have no weakness. We don't struggle. Um, And, and we put a lot of that pressure on ourselves. And there's a lot of literature that's out that says, Hey, clergy folk, y'all don't need to be perfect. And in fact, you need to show people how to be vulnerable. And that's a really delicate balance that, again, I I don't know how, how to do that. The challenge, though, too, is that the congregation and the people that come to church I think we need to kind of make a shift too that that says if my pastor and my pastoral leadership says that they are weak and that they are struggling, that we're okay with them being human Hmm. because we are part of the perpetuation of this myth that clergy have to be perfect, that we ourselves have to be perfect Christians and that perfection is the only thing acceptable in in our church. I think that's what I mean by congregants. There's power there too. And it's a collaborative thing to be church together. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. And this is a conversation for another time. You know, a lot of our pastors traditionally up until more recent years have been men in the Asian American church. And what it's like to see an Asian American man seem weak or vulnerable 
in the clinical space, you know, we talk a lot about how that's uncomfortable for a lot of people. So I really love what we're talking about, which is, yes, pastors and church leaders have a lot of responsibility, but as church members, what space are we cultivating? How are we contributing our validation of our leaders, support of them, recognizing them as also integrated human beings Mm -hmm. so that they can grow in this area to then support us. Absolutely. Yes. We give our clergy folk and our leadership permission to, it's not, it's not a one-way street. Again, this is a collaborative endeavor to be church together. Yes. You know, as we're wrapping up here, any practical ideas Uh, If I can throw one out and I'm wondering what you think and you can add to it, I know a lot of pastors or church leaders have asked me, well, what can we do? How can we expand the conversation? And one of the things I always say is wherever you are, find the local therapists, whether they're Christian therapists, Asian American therapists, meet with them, network have them come and do workshops, um, be present at your churches so that you at least have people that you can trust to send members to if you need. Mm -hmm. So it's like, like opening up that system a little bit. That's one thought I've had over the years. I'm wondering what you think and if you have other pieces to add. I, you know, and again, to, to recognizing that clergy folk are super busy, pastoral leadership folk are pretty, very busy with different things. Um, I'm just going to name one website. I think oh, it's yeah. important for clergy folk to just to keep reading and to learn what's out there. And so the National Alliance on Mental Illness, um, NAMI, it's a powerful resource, not only for um, clergy folks, but for family members, for parents of, of people that are struggling with mental health concerns. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful website to kind of go to if you want one, I'm not going to give you like seven websites and 10 books, just one website, National Alliance on Mental Illness. If you go there, there is a plethora of resource around really any question that you might have about mental health and mental illness. There's information there about support groups that families can attend with regard to different types of mental health challenges. And again, I think there is something to be said about knowledge is power. And I think not that we're asking clergy folk to be expert on anything related to mental health and mental illness. That's where therapists and the clinical community come into play. But again, around partnership, around collaboration, and around clergy folk feeling like they have resources to direct people to when there is content that is beyond their expertise. And that's okay. Yes. 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 And that's okay. I think that's been a huge theme for us today, which is let's look at the shame that we carry as Asian Americans, the saving face, needing to be the perfect person at church, perfect pastor. Let's move toward being a community that can support one another, whether we're leaders in the church, members, family members, and uh, open up the conversations that can include feeling vulnerable and even if we're weak and all those things. You know, I want to say, Jeannie, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I always love talking to you so much that we could continue to say, but we'll start here today. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to Centering the Asian American Christian Podcast. 
This episode was edited by Alexander Cathedral and produced by Jason Chu with music by Mark Redito. We'll see you next time and hope that you remember God loves all of you.